The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Thomas Sanerho. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. And Jack Barazzini. Hey, Jack. Hey, Dom. Uh, before we get into the show, folks, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy, and it's very timely because it's The Secrets of Star Wars and... There is a new season of Star Wars: The Bad Batch that just started as the, the as we record this. Uh, the for the first episodes have dropped and they're amazing. I've already watched them with my kids, and uh, you're going to be hearing the Secrets of Star Wars uh, panels discussing those very soon. So be sure to sign up, get your your subscription to the Secrets of Star Wars wherever fine podcasts are found, or at sqpn.com/slash/star wars. So uh, tonight, or the, you know, this episode, you may not be night where you are. Uh, we're going to be d- discussing a, a fun topic. I, this, I was telling the guys this is this is one of my favorite kind of topic because of talk, talking about cool software, like lots of different software. Uh, and this one, the, uh, the Thomas, you had this idea it was a good idea. The apps we use every day, or something like software everyday carry e- EDC. Mm-hmm. EDC is a topic we actually we've talked about this before, uh, you know, uh, the hardware version of this of, you know, that sorts of physical things we carry. And it's it usually refers to the stuff you've always got on you, the stuff that you you carry around with you day to day, your wallet, your keys, a flashlight, uh, a you know, a pen, a pen, knife, you know, that sort of stuff that you keep on you because you it, it all has a utility. It's like it's like Batman's utility belt. You know, the it, it's got all of the gadgets that you need. And so there's a lot of software that we use on a daily basis that helps us get through our day, you know, whether it's work or personal. Um, and by this, I mean, you know, mainly we're referring to things like the non production, non main work thing. So not, not like Microsoft office or, you know, from, in my case, the Adobe creative suite or, you know, <laughs> server software or something like that, or, you know, coding software. This is more, the stuff that supports all that, the stuff that that helps you to to do all that work, whether, again, personal or, or in your career. So uh, we're going to talk about some of those things. And uh, gentlemen, uh, you know, I'll start off. I think we should just go one at a time and talk about our things. And uh, uh, Thomas, since this is your idea, why don't you go first and tell us about the software that that you, is in your EDC kit? All right. Sure. Yeah. I think one of the things that's really interesting to me about EDCs is that you get a lot, you know, a lot about the person based on the, on the stuff that they have in their pocket, (laughs) the things that they want to keep. And, and as I was going through this list, I was like, wow, you can tell a lot about me (laughs) from this list uh, as well. And so uh, yeah, I, I'm kick it off with um, KeyPass XC, which is my uh, preferred, uh, password storage system and so if you've ever used LastPass or um one of the items like that uh one password's another one that's that's a good example of that uh this is a an open source uh password storage system so you basically have a kdbx file that stores your passwords uh it stores passwords uh usernames and uh website urls in it 
and they're all protected and it's offline. So it's not, uh, it's not stored online and you can just carry that KDBX file with you. And then on any computer you go to, you could have, you could download K, uh, KeyPass and then load that KDBX file in. And there you go. Uh, all of your passwords are right there. And my, my favorite part of it is that you can have multiple. So if you have a team of people that's working on something, you can store all the passwords that that team needs into a KDBX file, share it with anybody on the team. And as long as they know the main password for it, they can get in and use all the passwords that they need to. Really easy to, to link it. You can also get plugins for uh, all the major browsers and stuff too. Uh, my second one's Visual Studio Code. Now, I used to be a big Notepad++ guy. And then one of my buddies at work got me turned on to the fact that Visual Studio Code does all the stuff that I've gotten a bunch of different plugins shoved into Notepad++ to do all out of the box. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I really love Visual Studio Code. I'm not huge on proprietary software because it, this is a very Microsoft uh, centric product, but it works like it just it just does all of the things that I need it to do in doing code reviews in reviewing bug uh, bug logs or any any kind of anything that I need to really get through quickly. I love going to Visual Studio Code for it. So it's like a advanced word processor. It's not it's not like a coding environment per se. It, exactly. It can be. Yep. And, and that's what a lot of people use it for. But I use it as just a word processor. And so you can grab a, you can grab a whole uh box uh, like a whole folder of documents throw it into visual studios code and then do a search against the text in all of those documents and it will return all of the instances of that text and then you can load those up as a as a temporary file you can save it off as a file that's just got those results and it's it's just so much really really useful stuff especially when you're looking at logs it's got like this side window pane that's that just shows a picture of what you're looking at. So it's not the actual text, but it's like a, a mini map of the, the, the stuff you're looking at and you can just scroll through there. And as long as the thing's color coded, you can actually see where a lot of these, the, the errors are and the different things like that are happening. Interesting. And it's available so. windows, Linux, Mac, and in mm -hmm. a web, uh, a web base. So it is, anybody could use it anywhere. That's cool. And it's 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 free. It's it's proprietary, but it is free. It does have a lot of really great plugins too. So a lot of good support. I've actually got a Vim editor attached to it, so I can do all of my Vim shortcuts in there, <laughs> nice. and um, all that kind of stuff. So that one's really good. Um, the the next one's like uh, this will change your life. So be careful because <laughs> <laughs> it, it it will it will consume a lot of time, but it will save a lot of time in the long run. This is called Newt. It's a new tab plus uh, concept page. It's an extension for Google Chrome and Firefox. So if you use either of those uh, environments for your web browser, you can find Newt in uh, EWT like the animal, but it's new tab. And it's great because what it does is it turns that new tab landing page. So when you open up a new tab, it turns it into a workspace where you can organize all of your different um, bookmarks and put them in folders. It puts them on the screen really neatly so that they're all just listed out with a brief uh, shortcut information. And so it's like a link page, but it's an extension for your browser. So it's not something that you had like there used to be one. I don't even remember what it was called, but I used it for a long time where you could store your links online and it would kind of organize them for you. And then you would go to a page and it would build them into these little folders this thing does it for you. 
so easy to use. And then once you once you've set up your folders, because it's in your browser, when you click the the favorite button, it automatically allows you to select from one of the new folders and put it right in there. And so there's no back and forth. There's you know, it's just it just works. (laughs) It's just really fantastic. Nice. Nice. Okay. And so then, then this is the part where it starts telling a little bit about me. Um, I am a network nerd. So Putty and WinSCP are on every Windows device that I have. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about the rest of this list is pretty much, uh, well, a, a bunch of the things in this list are things that I get on Windows because they make Windows feel more like Linux. <laughs> and so this is one one of those sets where Putty and WinSCP are just like all of the shell uh, scripting that I can use on my Linux box. But they make me uh, uh, able to do that from Windows. So anybody who's ever had to engage with a Linux machine from a Windows machine, you'll know what I'm talking about, that these two are invaluable pieces. And Putty is the shell portion and WinSCP is the file management portion. So it allows you to put files onto the um, onto the system or to read the files from the system as if it was a Windows environment. Cool. And so... Yeah. Um, when SCP is a is a is like a is like file explorer, it's like mm-hmm. a replacement for file explorer. I see exactly, okay. and it and it allows you to connect to a remote system. So that's basically what it does: is it just allows you to connect to that remote system, and then you get the file same fi- same same Windows style navigation of the file system. So if you're really comfortable in Windows and you don't want to mess with your um, Linux server from Windows by engaging with the file system the way it you know you the way you would in PowerShell or something like that. That's what WinSCP is great for. Okay. Yeah, and cool. then um, I'm a big Plex user, mm-hmm. so Handbrake is yes. huge for me because uh, it I can rip DVDs and uh, manipulate the output file so that it takes up less bandwidth or less space depending on what I need. And, uh, I've gotten, I've gone way down the handbrake rabbit hole. Uh, and I've learned not, not only like all of the like weird, odd off functions, but I've learned them in the command line because I'm a command line junkie. So I, there is a handbrake command line tool and I have a DVD ripper that's set up that I just, I plug a DVD in it figures out what the DVD is and then rips it based on a certain set of pre encoding items that I want. So I, I don't even, I don't, I don't even use it anymore, which is kind of bad because I've got it just set up and running, but I just pop the DVD drive open, stick the DVD in and it does the rest. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's, it's really fantastic. And that's a I, bunch of shell scripting on top of that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I used handbrake a lot for a while as I was ripping all of my DVDs that I've mm-hmm. had, uh, but I've pretty much run through all of my DVDs. You know, it's, I, I, I hardly open handbrake anymore, uh, but it's a great way to back up your DVDs for one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it doesn't do Blu-ray though? Is, is that right? Or have, no, have they you, up- yeah, you have to. Well, they've there are ways you can, but you need a bunch of other encoding right software use, pieces to do it. Yeah, yeah I had a I have a, a different. Um, I think this it's called Make DVD that I used for some of the, mm. some of my Blu-rays because it's a whole different ball of wax, but uh, it's another show. <laughs> we'll talk about that some other yeah. time. Oh but, yeah. We, uh, we go yeah. way into that one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. But yeah, I'll, I'll get, I'll grab DVDs from the dollar bin at this point where, you know, if they're, if they're just cheap on sale at, mm-hmm. at uh, target or whatever, when we're walking by, it's like, Oh, Hey, I haven't seen that movie in forever. And I don't even, I don't even process it at this point. Cause I know I'm going to bring it home, put it on Plex. And then there it is it's available for us to use for, 
ad infinitum. <laughs> Just uh, to, as a aside, uh, I, I saw that Best Buy has removed all physical media from its stores. It's no longer mm-hmm. selling yep, CDs or DVDs or Blu-rays or anything in their stores, which is a, a seminal moment, <laughs> to, yeah. to, to say the least. That's pretty wild. They still have records, though. <laughs> yes, because records are back. <laughs> going back, going yeah. back to the LPs. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting for the eight tracks to come back, but uh... <laughs> oh, it's going to happen sooner than later. Yep, <laughs> that's a whole lot. That's a different discussion too. But <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so one of the other ones that I use a lot, and this is uh, since I'm a networking geek, I explain networking stuff a lot, and I have to draw many, many, many diagrams. And so draw.io is fantastic for this. It is. Just a quick way to grab a bunch of shapes, draw lines between them, uh, label them, and just do it easily and in a way that you can navigate functionally. It's a website, but you can also download a version of it to keep on your own computer, uh, which I recommend because it's really useful to just quickly draw a diagram and then have it available to just explain something to someone uh, very simply, and you can zoom in, zoom out, uh, move all around the screen and color code everything. It, it's fantastic. Highly recommend it. It, it. And it's good for explaining anything. I use it for networking a lot, but mm-hmm. any complicated process that you just need a flow chart for, it's fantastic for it. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm looking at it now and it's, it's basically a drawing program. It's got a grid. You've got shapes, um, again, all the common shapes you would need to, you know, to illustrate something, including people, and mm-hmm. but it also has the standard flow chart uh, shapes. So, right. fantastic! That's that's excellent, yeah. and it's free. It, yeah, it's free, and it's it's the the best part about it is that it's quick, very very low barrier to learn. Yeah, and that's the thing that I really love about it. Like, I don't need when I when I need to do a diagram, I don't need a a full fledged <laughs> graphics program right. uh, to run off of. I just need something that I'm going to really quickly make some shapes, put some text on it, and we're good to go. Excellent. All right. So the the next couple are definitely that realm of like making stuff that I need in Windows that I have in Linux. So in Linux, I just go to the command line and I can find I can convert files really easily. I can do a whole bunch of stuff from the command line very simply. On Windows, it's very hard. There's this program called File Converter. Now, there's a billion of these out there. Uh, the one I recommend is file-converter.org. <laughs> it is a fantastic program that you just grab a bunch of stuff and it adds some Windows widgets to be able to just right click and file convert them to something else. And it's pretty smart about predicting what it has and what it can convert those things to. So if you're trying to convert audio files, it knows these are audio files. So here's a list of other types of audio files that I can convert it to. Or if it's an image file, I could convert it to a PDF or another variety of image. And it's a really, really quick way to just be able to say, I need to get this in a format that somebody else can use. I don't have time to go and find a a reasonable website (laughs) to do this with. And it has a lot of extension types. So it's a really, really good program. Cool. And then the other one is tree size free. So this is, uh, again, on Linux, I just, I've got like three or four commands that I know that it can just shoot out what the size of everything in a drive is. Tree size free is the graphical version of that for Windows. And what it does, it, 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 it will run on your whole system if you want it to. So if you want to see like where all of your big 
chunks of data on your Windows system are, this is great. But you can also do it on a folder by folder basis. So if you want to see just like where the really big files inside of a particular folder are, um, you can do that with this on a folder level. And so it's really good for discovery of where all of your big, uh, you know, chunks of data are. Okay. Excellent. Yep. And the last one I will not do without this one on any Windows machine. Um, sometimes you just need a graphics program that's a little more complicated than draw.io, but not like Photoshop level. <laughs> you just need like a paint program. And MS Paint is awful. MS Paint is like just the worst. I, I hate it. <laughs> so uh, paint.net, which is at getpaint.net. It's it's a weird website, but getpaint.net. It is a a like paint plus. So you can do light photo manipulation you can add just graphics really quickly to things so if you need to grab an image and and do a red circle with an arrow uh this program is great for that and it's got all sorts of little tools inside of it that make it feel a little bit more like a like a graphic like a like a paint plus but not quite as complicated as like a you know a gimp or a, a photoshop so it it just gets the job done. So if you need a really quick, you know, edit of photos, that's it, this is your this is your go to. Okay, excellent. And again, this most of these are uh, in fact all of these are Windows based. There's a few that are cross platform, uh, but uh, because you're you're using a Windows on a regular basis. Jackie, are you a Windows primarily or Linux primarily? At home, I'm primarily lin- uh, primarily Linux. At work, it's Windows. Okay. So uh, why, don't, why don't we turn to you and see what you've got for what's in your ED, software EDC? Awesome. This first uh, first chunk here is going to all be uh, specific Google apps because I have an Android phone and they make it really easy to organize things. Um, I use the Keep Notes, which is... And the nice thing about these is they're all websites in addition to being apps and they're available on iOS or Android. Um, but Keep Notes is uh, like a note-taking tool for Android. Um, and it allows you to do like lists to keep lists going. So like my wife and I have a grocery list that we just keep as like a rolling list. And when we need something, we add to it and we can both see it and update it at any time. Um, I use it if I just need to jot down something to remember quickly or if I need to uh, organize different kinds of like notes and lists together. Um, and it's completely free, which is nice. And you can access it through the browser and also on your on any device that you have. Um, the next one is Google Assistant slash Gemini, because it seems like that's what Google is pushing us towards. Um, I just use that for all my smart home stuff, controlling the audio, controlling lights, things like that. And I have actually been playing around with Gemini, um, doing like uh, analysis of different kinds of files and text documents and stuff like that. And had some varying results with that, but that is still a useful tool. And Gemini is their AI tool, basically. It's their ChatGPT yes. tool. Yep. Okay. Formerly known as Bard. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, and Google Drive is another one I use. I keep pretty much all my documents in there. Um, I use it when we're doing the podcast. I'll put together the show notes in that, um, just for pretty much any other kind of documents. Uh, I like to organize it by like uh, like the different creative stuff organized off all on its own. And then uh, my wife and I have like a shared folder that we'll put like different like personal documents for like home maintenance and finances and stuff like that. It works really well for that. Um, The next one is Google Recorder and you can access that online. Um, 
But I really like the features that it has. If you have a Pixel phone, you can do a voice recording and it will give you full transcripts that are actually really, really accurate. So it's nice if you need to record different notes. Um, it'll give you a big full transcript of everything and you can export that to Google Drive or Google Keep. Um, the last two I use um, in a Windows environment at work, uh, Notepad++, um, basically because no one wants to use Notepad on its own, um, <laughs> yep. mainly uh, manipulating like <laughs> CSV files, log files, and stuff like that. Although I guess I do need to check out Visual Studio Code because apparently that's good. I, don't I recommend get, it. Uh, <laughs> don't need to get scared off by the word Visual Studio. <laughs> um but I like that one, and it's totally free. And uh, 7-Zip is another one that I feel like you need if you're on Windows, because you can still not extract RAR files on Windows in 2024. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's an archive utility, so for zip, you know, zipping files. Yeah. That's just, yeah. Uh, very good. Yeah, that's it. And it's again, it's interesting, this, you know, the... It, it the what it says about you know you in in your computing environment you're it's very much focused on the cross uh, cross platform including you know Android and Windows and you know that that sort of environments so uh, interesting to to see that um, thanks Jack uh, so my list uh, no surprise is all Apple focus I'm I'm all in on the <laughs> Apple ecosystem uh, and I've talked about uh, I think probably all of these at one point or another on the show, but uh, uh, it's worth take, talking about them in this context again. Uh, and some of my thinking is, is what, what's the first stuff I install on a new Mac? You know, when I get a new Mac, I, I rarely migrate, you know, where it would, the, the, the process where it just sucks everything over from one drive to another. I usually start from scratch, install from, from uh, scratch. Uh, and so, and what are the first things I install? Well, one of the first things I install is one password. Uh, I've been using one password for, at least a decade now and it is um fantastic it 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 stores my uh two-factor password two-factor authentication stuff it's it allows me to share with my wife uh you know and and now my kids as they're getting older um you know shared vaults and all that sort of stuff so it's it's become it's really great and i store all kinds of them not just usernames and passwords i've got like all of our um health id cards like our health insurance information is in there and our um you know uh, vaccination records can go in there and social security mm -hmm. numbers and all that stuff that i really need to make sure that it is in the mo it's in the most secure place that i can access wherever and that's the key because i really trust uh one password's uh security and you have to <laughs> if, if you don't trust them don't do it like just you know if you don't trust the the vendor don't do it i trust uh one password they, they're uh, up there with apple I, they're my two most trustworthy tech companies uh for securing my information and uh so i store all kinds of stuff in those places that i need to have access to wherever but also i want to make sure that it's secure so one password and I get one password for free for family, one password for families for free with my Eero, my Eero home mesh Wi-Fi mm. system. Um, mm. I, I get the Eero plus package, which is like $99 a year, but it includes uh, the uh, encrypt.me VPN, system, uh, you know, subscription for free and one password for free and something else I'm forgetting. Uh, but it's well. It, so in other words, the value I'm getting for that, 99 is well over the the cost so uh so yeah one password uh the next one i want to mention is uh, airtable airtable is a web-based 
uh, database uh, that you could use. It It reminds me a lot like if, if you're an old time Mac guy like me, FileMaker Pro. I know FileMaker Pro is still out there that, that there's some of the us uh, old, old folks still use um, in, in it's still good software. But I use Airtable. Uh, what I love about Airtable is that it, it, the web integrations, I can use it uh, tools like Zapier or Make to access to create automations so that when something happens in Airtable, it causes something else to happen in, say, Discord. So the re- way I use Airtable is that uh, I use it to mainly to keep track of all of their shows in this on StarQuest uh, and and you know e- each each show like Secrets of Tech and then each episode and I'm keeping track of where it is is it been is it been released is it you know in progress who's going to be on the show what's the show about all these different lines all these records and fields and I can automate a lot of that and. Uh, it, it just helps me keep track of, of all kinds of, and you could use it for all kinds of stuff. Um, you could use it to keep track of people. You could, you, and then it has, um, all these different ways you could do like a lot of project tracking, uh, where you can set up like Gantt chart, Gantt charts and, um, all kinds of stuff like that. So it's really, um, it's really a fantastic database type of tool. Um, and it, I could use it for even more things that I do do now. Uh, I keep thinking of looking into that. Uh, I've I use Apple Notes a lot. I used to use Evernote for a lot of things, um, and several of the things on this list are replacing Evernote because Evernote has changed. It's gotten way more expensive, and it's it's not the tool it used to be. Uh, so I use Apple Notes for a lot of things, and Apple Notes is the built-in note system for the uh, Apple ecosystem, and it's gotten really good. It's still got a few things I wish it had. Um, I wish it had a highlighter tool for the text tools. Like I could just like highlight something like I can bold, but I can't. And I wish it supported Markdown and it, it doesn't really, mm. it, it's a rich text. Other than that, um, I really like its ability to, for one thing, to do collaborative, to share notes. So I can share notes uh, like Jack, like you do with your wife with, uh, um, was it uh, uh, Google Keep? Google Keep. I use uh, notes to keep, uh, to do like, menus with my wife like the this is the what the, the weekly menu this is what we got coming up for for meals this week and that sort of thing so you can do collaborative notes um and i keep all all of my show notes in there uh for for all the different shows that we do uh but i also use another text tool called drafts and drafts is it it's almost it, it, it it's almost a similar purpose but it's um it does two things it's it's a place to it's sort of like the text inbox for me it's a place for me to quickly record stuff and then it has these this ability to to create scripts and stuff and to create extensions so that you can sit you know actions they call them you can send that text to different places um if it's a to-do i can send it to omnifocus if it's a um an email i can send it to my email uh program if it's a text message i could text it you know from right within drafts the other thing that drafts is it allows me to keep templates of things i can i keep uh uh, boilerplate text, but I also have templates where uh, I have a set of like projects in my uh, in OmniFocus that I do every you know that that I, I do over and over again. Each episode of a show is a separate OmniFocus project, and I can run a command on one of my drafts that is a template for uh, an episode project, and it puts the right dates in the right show note the number. And then puts it into OmniFocus as a new project for me. So uh, it's a very, very flexible 
system. I use to keep all kinds of things in there. I keep, uh, I, I, I'm in charge of communications for our, our, my girl's scout troop. And I, we sent, send out a weekly email and I keep the email that I compose during the week. You know, every time something new has to go into this week's email, I keep it in drafts. And then on Sunday, I paste that into the email program and it goes out. So drafts is fantastic. Another thing that has kind of come out of replacing Evernote for me is Obsidian. I know I've talked about Obsidian a lot. I'm an Obsidian <laughs> junkie. I use it both professionally and personally. You know, professionally, it's a, I keep a daily journal of all the things I do um, so that not just the, you know, it's here, this is all how busy I am. It's also when I make a decision to do something or when someone tells me something, it goes in there so that I, I'm not always doing mm-hmm. the, oh, when did we did, did I say I was going to do that? I don't remember. Like, right. You, you know, I can search for it. Like, when, you know, all, tell me all the things I said about Secrets of Tech. So it goes in there uh, and everything's hyperlinked and all the institutional knowledge of things, all this, you know, every time I change a way, like a setting on a website for, you know, the, the way the podcasts go, all that sort of stuff all goes into Obsidian. And on the personal side, I share a vault with my wife, Obsidian Vault, and all of our financial stuff goes in there. Anything, mm. every time a, a car repair happens, it's a date, what we did, how much it cost on which car, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I have all the information about all of the, like the mechanics that we use, the plumber that we call the electrician so that God forbid something would happen to me. She has all that information. I usually take care of that stuff and she does the kids, you know, med, you know, the, the family medical stuff. And so she puts all that in there. And so we've got this, common you know wiki of knowledge family knowledge in a sense Mm -hmm. um so obsidian is great for that slack is a a communications tool that we've used for years with uh sqpn and uh i use it every day uh to communicate with all the folks you know that that we make podcasts with um it, it has been invaluable we we've used the free version for many years the paid version is quite expensive it's like 12 bucks a person and we have mm-hmm. like 50 people. It'd be extremely expensive for us to do the paid version. And we're kind of hit running up against the limits of Slack. They're, they're kind of tightening down what you get for free. Uh, the, the history of the conversations are getting smaller. Uh, so I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the market for something else, <laughs> but I don't know what yet. So I'm just trying to, it's a big deal if we were to move because everyone would have to migrate to a new thing. So I don't take it light, lightly, but uh for now slack is that um it's open all the time on my computer and that's one of the mm. things that justifies it being in this list uh keyboard maestro is an automation system i could not work <laughs> like I, I do all this al- essentially alone like I, I run everything i'm the only employee running this network of like you know the full t- only full-time employee uh it, operationally and i couldn't do it without things like uh keyboard maestro automation Things like I can hit a key command and say, um, I'm going to be editing secrets of tech. And so it opens up the right uh, directories, you know, the right folders on my desktop and moves into a specific place on the desktop so that I, I know that's where I need to go. Like it, it really uh, sets up the environment for me. It opens up the programs I'm going to use and the, the websites I'm going to be using and all that stuff. For the for the context that I'm going to be working in, if I'm going to be working in the context of editing secrets of tech, this is what it needs to look like. If I'm in the context of recording a show, it sets all that up, including the physical environment. It turns on the recording lights and all that sort of stuff. You know, turns off my regular uh, office lights. Um, so 
keyboard maestro does so many things uh for me um uh even things like um you know when i when i restart my computer it'll uh pop up this palette you know this tool palette in the middle of my uh, desktop and it has um you know i can mount my NASs automatically from it or in the morning mm-hmm. i come in and i hit a button on my stream deck and it says start my day and it launches all of my my software uh, my all the different programs that i use um because i have the the keep the computer shut it all, all those down at night like i turn off browsers and emails so that everything is fresh and memory is flushed and all that sort of stuff um so keyboard maestro alfred is a keyboard launcher it's like spotlight a little bit like if you if you know um spotlight on the mac um but on steroids in a sense. Uh, so if I hit my key combination, I'll get set up as option spacebar. This little black bar pops up on my screen and I can do something as simple as type the name of a, of a file or um, I can ha- I can do other things. Uh, you can set up workflows with it and I can do something like, um, she was like, um, let me think of something kind of cool that it does. I can use, I can tell it to, create tasks in OmniFocus or a project in OmniFocus for me all just by typing on essentially like a command line. And if I use like the particular um, uh, short phrases, like oh, if I type OF Safari, it'll create a new OmniFocus task, a new task in my to-do list from the current tab that's open in the Safari web browser just by typing oh, that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's programmable. You can make these from uh you know these these workflows yourself um i even run uh, keyboard maestro macros from this command line of uh of alfred uh it also has other tools built into it like a uh, clipboard history folks if you have not uh used a clipboard history like uh tool if you're not if you haven't integrated that into your daily workflow it'll change your life (laughs) like because if you've ever had to like copy multiple bits of information from one place to another, like from one document to this other document and got to go back and forth, back and forth. And you've lost track of which one you've copied and you got to start, you know, you got to go back and start from scratch. A clipboard history manager means you clip a bunch of stuff at once and then you just go to the other document and paste it all in there like at one time. Or, Hey, I remember I copied this, um, this URL about uh, 25 minutes ago. What was it? I knew it was uh, from a website from the, from SQPN. So I'll open up the clipboard history manager, type SQPN.com, and then it has all of the all of the stuff I've copied at one point or another, mm-hmm. you know, that had that URL in it. It's just gosh, folks, that's worth that's worth the price of admission right there. Um, and then <laughs> the most basic one for me is Dropbox. Uh, Dropbox is the glue. Uh, it, I, in fact, I didn't even think of it until we we were just about to start recording because I'm like, it's, it's so basic to the way I do everything. All of my files live in Dropbox. I, I don't keep things in documents uh, on my computer. And I've never, I never kind of got into like Apple wants you to use like iCloud files, uh, but it doesn't work. iCloud files doesn't work with some software like Dropbox does. And um, all of my files are in Dropbox, which means that all of these files are accessible from any computer or phone or iPad that I've got on me that I'm logged into my Dropbox account with. And if I, you know, something happens to this computer, if I go buy another computer and log into Dropbox, it's all my stuff is right there, like already, you know? And so um, Dropbox is just like, it's, it, I've been using it for 
gosh, more than a decade, like probably 15 years at, at least at this point, probably more even. Um, and it, it, it is, yeah, more than just it's, it's basic glued for me. So do yeah. you use the, uh, do you use the desktop functions for it? So basically you have like a, a whole file structure that is your Dropbox. Yes. Yes. I use, mm. uh, it integrated into the OS, the, the OS version. Okay. So, yeah. uh, and that changed a couple of years ago, how that worked because of the way Apple changed some of the file system permissions, uh, mm. making things a little more secure. Um, and at first it was a, it was a little bit of a pain, but actually it's all evened out. It's no better, you know, no worse than it was before. So, okay. um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do that for the, for Dropbox. I also do it for OneDrive. I, I keep uh, a OneDrive, but I don't, I don't use OneDrive as much because uh, I, I only use office a little bit, but, um, I, I, and I, I'm sad that Google drive got rid of that too. I like having these mm-hmm. on the desktop rather than having to do it through a browser. I find that less convenient. Uh, so excellent. So those are our software EDC. We would love to hear from you what you use for your your everyday carry software uh, apps and utilities that that make your your life uh, possible the way that you do you do, you, you uh, do your personal and uh, business uh, life. So we, we'd love to hear from you if you want to let us know at technology at sqpn.com. Uh, before we move on to our headlines, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Christina M., Kathy N., Alan P., Doreen M., and Randy S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com give. So headlines. It is uh, February as we record this, and you know what that means. It's tax time. Uh, So and one thing that's different this year is the IRS is piloting a new free tax filing system. If you are the lucky resident of one of 12 states, uh, which I happen to be, uh, Massachusetts is one of those states that is participating in this, um, you can use this free tax filing system from the IRS. Uh, to file your federal tax returns, uh, which is different. You've, you may be saying to yourself, haven't they always had a free the system? Yes and no. There has been a way to um, file, e-file your taxes. Um, if your gross income was $79,000 or less, uh, or adjusted gross income, which is different from your regular gross income. Um, but it's different because this is uh, a, a bit more... The, the tools are it's got a bit more tools for you to use it's mm-hmm. not just file the form it it kind of walk it will walk you through the the system but it's a limited pilot you have to there are some limitations to who can do it and, you know basically if you have a very simple tax return um you can do this what do you guys think <laughs> you know, some of the the tax preparing software companies are not happy with this obviously uh intuit and, and others like them what do you think? Is this a good thing? Should the government be getting into the e-filing system? Or what do you think? I think it's I think it's good just because Intuit has kind of been lobbying for years and years to keep that market cornered and make money off mm-hmm. of people not knowing how to do their own taxes. That also raises the question of why are taxes so complicated to do in the first place? But that's kind of a that's <laughs> yeah, a separate <laughs> issue. <laughs> yes. I, I think if they can do this right, it is good. I 
I'm glad it's not available in my state because I would not trust a pilot program from the IRS in the first year to do anything correctly. So <laughs> they get the kinks ironed out this year. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm not going to. I can't use it because um, if you have an IRA, you, you don't qualify for the pilot program. That's one of the, the things uh, we you know we have a, a IRA, so it's not going to work. Uh, how about how about you, Thomas? What do you think of this? I, I, I'm I'm in the same boat as Jack. It's I, I, don't, I wouldn't trust it that because it's a pilot program that the IRS is putting on. But I mean, our our taxes are normally pretty easy. <laughs> so it's just the 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 addendums that we end up with because we have eight kids. And that's always like that always just throws things. <laughs> so, yes. so uh, you know, <laughs> I, we, we normally go through a, a tax prep and I, I'm I'm willing to pay money for it because it's it just makes my life a lot easier just to do it. And we don't end up itemizing a lot of things. Like we don't have a business that we own and, and have to work around. So, um, I, I think this would be great. I think it's something that, that I could probably sit down and do. I've looked through a few of the, the items and it seems pretty straightforward. Uh, it seems like if you could sit and do the physical form and follow everything that's going on there, this might work. My only problem is, is that even with the physical form, you end up having to bounce around so much that I can't see, a web-based program keeping up with that sort of movement well it would need to be very well designed and i'm not i'm kind of on that barrier where it's like eh, <laughs> let's give it a couple of years to work out all the kinks yeah <laughs> and yeah. then i'll give this a try i've um i've been i've used TurboTax and before that mac in ta- mac and tax uh for many 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 years now um i have basically like you said i, I have a pretty simple uh, you know, uh, return relatively simple. I, you know, I don't, we take the standard deduction, you know, um, there's a few little things that I have to file like a, um, a schedule C for cause, uh, cause, I, cause of Amazon vine, um, which is a Amazon sends us products to, to, that we can write, you know, keep that we just agree to write a review for. Um, and that's seen as income by the IRS. And so we have to mm. claim that special mm-hmm. way. So there's a special um, schedule K or something. I forget what it is, but uh, it, they take care of that for us. Um, but in general, it's a pretty, we have a pretty straightforward um, uh, return. I don't know that I would want, I feel like there's too many eggs in one basket. I, I mean, I'm not sure I want the IRS to be my tax preparer and the government revenue commissioner. At the same time, right. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of want somebody I'm paying to be on my side because at least I, yeah. that transaction with Intuit is a just like a, with a tax repair. That's a that's a contract between me and them, you know, and they are liable mm-hmm. if they, you know, there's terms of the contract and pro- that are probably favorable to them, you know, when I agree to this. But nevertheless, they are they are contractually obligated to me in a way, whereas the, the IRS isn't. And I just don't feel comfortable you know, having the prepare my tax that way. But, but Jack, you make a really good point, which is for like people in the UK and other countries, they, they look at us like, you have to do what? Like, <laughs> and, <laughs> yep. and you know, there's, there are, there are lots of uh, TikToks or whatever reels out there of people joking about how, so the, the IRS telling you, okay, so you have to pay your taxes. Okay, sure. What, 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 how much do I owe? Oh, we're not going to tell you that you have to figure that out yourself. Oh, well, what if I get it wrong? Oh, then you go to jail. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, like, so it's all up to me uh so uh, yeah the, the, yeah. the, the way we our tax our income taxes in this country are have gotten 
out of hand, I think. They are complicated. Uh, all right, so that was our first headline. Our next one, this is just for fun. Uh, the mystery of the LG washing machine using 3.6 gigabytes <laughs> of data daily could have a simple explanation. <laughs> so this uh, guy has a smart washing machine like I do. I have a smart washing machine. And uh, his router, his Asus router, was reporting that it was using, it was sending, it was uploading 3.86 gigabytes of data or 3.6 gigabytes of data every day. And he posted it on Twitter. And that led to a, a, a host of people with all kinds of speculation. You know, has it been taken over by a Bitcoin miner while you do your laundry? It's, it's you know, is mining Bitcoin or, uh, you know, what's going on? Uh, and then in the end, it seems like it's actually just a bug in the router that it was misreporting. It was like mixing up the the data, misrecording the data from maybe an iPhone as the data for the washer or something like that. Uh, so what do you guys think of this this one? This is kind of <laughs> kind of funny. Maybe a cautionary tale a little bit. Well, I, I like that he's monitoring it. That's yeah. that's fantastic. Like yeah. that he's got a system that is like that's telling what device is using what uh what amount of information and that there's maybe a warning system in there that alerted him to the fact that this was going on uh that's that's good that's uh, i i feel like everybody needs to get to the point where they're comfortable enough with the software that's available to them to be able to do that because if you have a a, a wi-fi mesh or uh or just if you 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 should have access to your modem like they, there should be some form of access that you have to your modem to be able to go and check this information even if your modem is owned by your um isp and and you are renting it from them there is a way to log into it you just have to maybe figure out what that way is learn what that way is yeah i tend to be on the opposite end of like the smart devices i i have like the lights and everything controlled in my house but like my fridge my washing machine uh everything else is as dumb as can be and i want to keep it that way so <laughs> not to worry about any data leaky uh, appliances yeah the uh the article that we'll link to it, it ends with you know kind of saying what's interesting is how everyone immediately leapt to the fact that it was the the smart washer that was the problem and not the router you know that the the, the the immediate assumption because we've been dealing with uh, you know iot devices with terrible security and you know being hacked and taken over on a regular basis so often you know that we just assume yeah that must be it you know this crazy thing of 3.6 gigabytes of data it's got to be the the washer's been hacked uh of some sort so it, it is kind of funny that we leap to that um but yeah, you know, it's good to just keep a tra- keeping an eye on it. I I look at my Eero stats a lot. I actually I do because I, I'm also trying to keep track of what the kids are doing, <laughs> make sure they're not <laughs> overusing their devices when they shouldn't be, or you know, when they should be doing schoolwork and that sort of stuff too. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say now you just gotta make sure they don't figure out how to mask their devices as a washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you wouldn't put it past one or two of them, I think they would be able to figure that out. Uh so uh, then our That's, third headline. You're teaching them lessons. At that point, you're teaching them lessons, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Now, now I'm just teaching them how to be security security uh, uh, consultants at, at some point. <laughs> it's a career move. So our third headline is from TechDirt. It says, uh, piracy is surging again because streaming executives ignored the lessons of the past. Uh, and basically it reports that uh, since 2001, piracy rates slowly started to climb back up. Piracy in the sense of people 
downloading media, commercial media, TV, music, you know, films, uh, downloading it from uh, non-official sources, not paying for it instead of buying it, you know, from subscribers, you know, subscribing to services or uh, buying it from, you know, iTunes or whatever. Uh, so those rates fell you know, around the 2010. They dropped off a cliff because they were the, the studios and music execs came came to the the understanding that if we give people legal and inexpensive ways to get this stuff, they will pay for it and they will stop you know pirating it as long as you don't make it convoluted. And then somewhere around 2021, that everything started getting convoluted again. And uh-huh. bas- basically they point to the fact that it's hard to find uh, the show you want to watch. The services are getting more expensive. They're slapping ads on services you're already paying for. Uh, and there's so many services, you know, it used to be that you, it was Netflix and Amazon prime, but in, and you could get most of your content there. And now every single studio, every single channel now has a premium service and who could afford to, to to pay for them all? And so people are saying, you know, saying, you know, forget it. I'm just going to go um, to this torrent site and get it. Uh, hmm. What do you guys think? Is this an inevitable result of, of what's been going on? I mean, I think really the, for me, at least the biggest issue I have with the way that the studios have been handling it is they've started either completely canning finished projects and not releasing them for tax write-offs or removing shows they've already put out as a tax write-off. Like they took the Willow show off of Disney that's, Plus uh, yes. as a tax write-off. And you can't <laughs> that's get exactly my example. So, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. For for me, it's if I am using the service, I will, I will record it to have a backup of it because I, I don't know if it's going to be going to be available if it's something i want to watch like in the future so it's right i don't have any faith that they're going to keep these i mm-hmm. keep the their stuff up there and for me it's like i'm fine paying like 10 even 15 dollars a month if, if i have access to everything but if it's going to just be gone someday then i don't put any faith in that and and there's no promise that it's going to move from one place to another so like like with that one where it it didn't perform well and so rather than keeping it and allowing it to go to Netflix or to some of they they just wrote the show off and then got rid of it and it just disappeared like it's just mm-hmm. gone right and i was enjoying it like i would have loved to have had one season of it because guess what i have one season of firefly that i am always going to go back to <laughs> and watch over and over right. and over again um but that's it, it and it's frustrating that that's kind of this that they we've gone back to this age where everything is owned by someone else and we have to go and beg them to allow us to to watch it. Uh-huh. And, and right. that's that's when the piracy comes in, because like I if I can own something, like if I can actually get a copy of something that I can have, I, I will pay for it. But the fact that I don't really own any of this stuff and I just have to keep paying for it. And now on top of paying for it, if you don't pay a premium now, you get ads on top of it. So it's like mm-hmm. it's the worst possible world of cable. It distributed yeah. amongst all of these different services. I was gonna say if they drop something, you can't. It's not even like you could go buy a DVD of the first season right. of the Willow show. Like you just don't have access. It's to gone. It it's gone. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Well, uh, I was gonna say, or they could make it available, uh, like with that, like with Apple Music or Spotify. Just th- everything is there. Like I pay one one mm-hmm. big chunk of money a month, and I can watch or listen to anything I want. If this, if it's music, pretty much. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's some things that are, are exclusive somewhere, but pretty much if it's music, I got it. 
and I don't have to go buy an album. I don't have to find us the, the classical service or the BMI or, you know, I have to, and I have to know that this artist is uh, on BMI or Sony or, you know what I mean? That, that's mm-hmm. essentially what we've done with TV and, and movies is you, you got to know who's, you know, where is it playing? Who's playing, playing, you know, yeah. distributing it. And, Oh, it's another service I got to pay for. Well, you know, uh, I guess, you know, I, I could sign up for yet another one or I could just not watch, which is an option. You don't have to watch it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, uh, my my cousin said he's got a version of it on his Plex server that maybe I can, you know, watch. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not sure where he exactly. got it from, but, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I'm, I'll turn a blind eye. And that's how this starts. Like if but I think people want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I think if you mm-hmm. give people. A, a a relatively inexpensive, straightforward way of getting the content of buying things from you <laughs> at a reasonable cost. Yeah. The, people do that's it. The, that's the thing that blows my mind where it's just like, I, I want to support creators, right? Yep. But it doesn't feel like I'm supporting creators when I'm having to go and and search for which which one of these major conglomerates currently owns the rights to this thing so that I can subscribe to them for a month. And then the money is not going directly to the creator of this thing that I'm going to them to watch. Right. It's going to Netflix. And that just who who knows where that money goes, because they, they seem to be using their money very poorly in general. Right. Right. Yeah. Netflix is uh, notoriously uh, poorly using their money at the moment. Um, yeah. And like, and, even like for like some of these services, they're taking so long to produce the, put the content or, you know, like, like new mm. seasons and, and it's just, you know, the, 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 and then when you get it, it's six episodes and it's frustrating. Like I'm paying you all this money, you know, and then you're giving me this, you know, a six episodes and out or yeah, it's, yeah, I can see where people are kind of, you know, what was the the one we talked about recently was the uh, people who had uh, discovery on their PlayStation. There was a way of watching, you know, show, discovery shows on the PlayStation and they paid for them. They even bought the se- the seasons. Like I'm, I paid you $20 to get a season of, you know, mm-hmm. deadliest catch. And I don't know what it was. I'm just, yes. And then they just said, well, no, that agreement's ended. So now uh, you you have to subscribe to, Warner Discovery to get or or Max to get to get that mm-hmm. their content and it's like you're out of luck because the the agreement was uh, it was just a license for as long as we have it on the system available you didn't actually own that did you think you owned that and that's yeah, the that's, problem that's crazy to me yeah. yeah that's 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 the best way to to get people who are trying to do their honest best to go and find other ways because i mean if, if you're going to be cheated out of the thing anyway why 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 play their game <laughs> yeah right right and, and this isn't me saying we should be you know that we should all be pirates yeah, yeah raise the play but uh, it's it but it is the natural consequence of of what they're doing and they're going to it's only going to get worse for the producers because people are going to say why bother like why bother like paying all mm-hmm. this and, and they'll they'll cut out most of these services and they'll they'll trim it back they'll have maybe netflix maybe prime maybe apple tv plus or you know they'll they'll have a couple or a handful maybe disney plus but they're going to get rid of all the others and uh, mm-hmm. it's just going to get worse for them if they don't figure out a way to make this a better product and that's the problem they need to make a better product yeah i think this is just all part of the streaming bubble that they thought was going to be this huge thing and it's ended up being a huge money 
loser for pretty much every company. Yeah, they've yeah. they've tried to recreate cable basically. You know, mm-hmm. it, that's when the real whole reason we all wanted to ditch cable was because we didn't want to have to pay three hundred dollars a month to get a bunch of channels that we only watch a little bit or nothing on. And they've really, mm-hmm. they've, hey, what a great idea! Let's do that again. Yeah, <laughs> we wanted a la carte, and we got a la carte, and then we got just a bunch of junk add on to a la carte. It's like, wait, hold on, right? Yeah. That a la carte has three. This is not what I signed up for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So those are our headlines. And uh, let's move on to our picks of the week. And uh, Jack, why don't you go ahead with your pick this week? My pick this week um, is actually something I mentioned earlier in our EDC section. It is a Google Gemini, uh, specifically a Gemini Advanced, which it's their four pay version. And it's normally $20 a month. But they have a deal where if you have Google One, which I use for backup, you get two months free and then it will charge you for that. So basically, and it's like $10 a month. So basically it's free for me until April. And it's been fun to play around with, especially um, I like to do things like if I'm outlining a story, like give it the outlines that I'm working on. And it's actually been pretty intuitive at like coming up with suggestions for like, here's how you should like different plot points you can highlight and things like that, or analyzing other things I've written, like just to give me kind of a summary of it. Um, it's been good with that. It's a lot more flaky when it comes to things like image generation or generating accurate data. So, which is odd because it's it's really good at certain things, or sometimes it's really good, and then sometimes it will just completely like just poop itself. Um, one funny <laughs> one was I tested uh, Chat GPT. Uh, I think last year trying to get it to write bios of people, and like I don't have enough of an internet presence for it to even know who I am. And I had it do one of you, Dom, and it gave this really inaccurate one. Yeah, I remember and, that. <laughs> and when I did it this time with a Gemini, since it has access to current information on the internet, it said it knew who you were. And then when I asked it to give a, a biography, it told me in Italian that it cannot do a biography. So it's like <laughs> it saw an Italian name and was like, no. <laughs> Very strange. Yes. I, discrimination. Yeah against Italians. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh it's interesting to play around with. It is probably not something I'm going to end up paying for once the free trials up, but it's mm. it's fun to mess around with these AI systems. Yeah. It's it's so still so early, you know? I mean, it's mm-hmm. they will inevitably get get well, I I say inevitably, but maybe not. I mean, maybe there there's a fundamental you know issue at the root of it that they're not going they'll never get to be that, you know, self-aware or what are they using the AGI, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, intelligence. Um, but nevertheless, there, there are some things that they're really quite useful for that. I use, I use the chat GPT every day uh, for mm-hmm. my work. Um, just mm-hmm. very, very specific things. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. I'm glad that there's more and more of them out there so that we can, you know, there's a bit of a competition in the marketplace to, to improve. Uh, hopefully Google will improve and not just do its usual, uh, you know, lose attention and wander away thing. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, oh. uh, Google. <laughs> <laughs> Google reader. I still mourn you. So yeah. uh, <laughs> Thomas, what's your uh, pick this week? I, I, I'm also uh, pulling something from my EDC. Um, I, I really I cannot recommend Newt, Newtab highly enough. Um, if you use Google Chrome or, uh, Firefox, do search it up as an extension. Uh, give it a try. It is really just such a fantastic tool uh, for organizing your time online and 
building the the links that you use on a regular basis and all you have to do is just hit that plus button to open up a new tab which you're going to do anyway and then all of your links are right there you click on the link you need and you're good to go um and and really once you get it installed and start working with it and create it as part of your flow uh you will definitely feel the loss of it when you go to like a new browser like microsoft edge like i ended up doing on my work pc and it's not there and i'm completely lost (laughs) without it (laughs) i I would i wonder are there um people out there who have created like youtube videos or blog posts that give to give ideas of how best to use it or is the built-in tutorial useful enough it's I really it's it's so intuitive once you get started with it it's so intuitive uh that it's really not hard to to figure out how you're going to put it together and and it's pretty agnostic to most of what you uh to, to how you want to use it and it really is just it's it's kind of like your your bookmarks folder but it's just making it useful so it creates this landing page so all of your bookmarks that are in the new folders show up visually on the screen and you can just select them really quickly uh and it also has some like history functions so you can see which of your uh, bookmarks you've visited the most recently or you've added the most recently or have spent the most time on and different things like that. So that's, that's another, you know, it's kind of added features to it. I don't know if there's YouTube videos about it. I've, I've really just integrated it so fully into my workflow that I expect it to be there. Um, and that's really just from playing with it. And and it it was from the recommendation of one of my peers. He was like, what are you doing? That's a waste of time here. Try this, (laughs) try this extension out. And I did and, and fell in love with it. So basically just to, you know, install it, start trying to, you know, play with it, using it, and uh, it should be, yeah, cool. And I was going to say, exactly. Edge is, Edge is Chromium-based, so it should work with it. I've, I've tried to figure out how to get it to work, but I can't. Oh. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, still, I'm, still in that, I'm still in that wrestling mode. I want it to work. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> nice. do. Nice. Excellent. So my pick this week is a bit of hardware. Uh, it is a solar panel from Anchor uh, that works with, their their various powerhouse generators i don't know if it works with other generators but i have uh, anchor powerhouse uh you know a battery not generator batteries packs that's their their very large portable battery packs uh that i use for camping um and it's very portable it's not all that heavy at all um if, if you go to the amazon link or the anchor website you'll see how uh it packs up small but it folds out to a pretty good size i think it's like six feet wide when it pulls out maybe five five feet hmm. wide um so it's a good size um actually that's it says it here uh oh it's yeah uh 20 something long and it doesn't matter anyway i think it's folded up but in any case um it has all of the connections that you need and you know you you plug it in it if on a sunny day and it will start recharging your battery and when you're camping for the weekend any extra amount of battery life you can put back into that battery for charging up your phone, your watch, you know, uh, battery powered lights, that sort of stuff is always useful. I like to have a battery pack with me when I'm camping just for the, you know, various, you know, things like powering up, keeping my, my phone charged, um, powering up. Uh, I, we, we bring um, GPRS radios when my family goes camping so that, uh, we can stay in touch without having to use the cell system because uh, we might be out of range of cells uh, or same thing with, with scout camping. Um, you can keep those charged up and that sort of thing. Uh, so the solar p- the panel, um, the thing to keep in mind all with all solar panels is uh, they're very finicky about uh, 
making sure you get the right angle. And this helps you align to the sun, to align to the sun. And any amount of shade or stuff, you know, uh, 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 um, blocking it, like if you, if it's like a, a like if it's a canopy and it gets shaded and like that will like drastically reduce the amount of power it's gen- it, it can generate. So you got to be in this open in an open area with with some good sunlight for it really to work. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, I mean, you can use it at home too uh, to kind of if you have a uh, a blackout in your area, it's not going to power your whole house off this little tiny solar panel but uh you can keep your phones charged and uh, battery powered lanterns and that sort of thing uh definitely so uh something to check out it's about i i when i bought it i bought it uh renewed which means um you know refurbed uh on amazon for and right now they have like 220 for for refurb um which is a pretty good price for a a decent solar you can find cheaper solar panels but they are cheaper solar panels so mm-hmm. this is a good price for a decent solar panel uh so anchors anchors solid they they make yeah. really good stuff yeah. yes yeah i trust i trust anchor uh implicitly but uh, uh you know if the, if it's an anchor product i, I just i know it's gonna it's gonna work mm-hmm. so though those are those are our picks this week and uh that's it for us this time we would love to get your comments on anything we discussed uh, this week you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media or send an email to technology at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You'll find links from our discussion and picks of the week on our show notes at starquest.fm slash tec245. That's tech245. And remember to like every episode of Secrets of Tech on Facebook, retweet it on X, where we're at SQPN, and leave us comments where you find us. Until next time, Jack Barazzini, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Tom. And Thomas Sanerho, thank you as well. It's been great. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>